0: Well good evening everyone, <laughs> there's, there's, about, um, there's about 25 of us in here tonight which is a very small crowd. So I'm thinking it might be a good idea if instead of s- staying where you are, if y'all would just come sit in the front two or three rows or something, that would be so much better than t- talking to 25 people scattered out all over the building. Can y'all come on down, seriously? Daniel's not here tonight, and he should not have announced that. (laughs) But we want Brother Todd Ott to know that he has an audience. So if y'all come down, get in the front section down here, that'll help. I know. Boy, that's that's terrible sitting in a new spot. (laughs) Y'all are like, when you get there, turn to number two eighty-five. We're gonna sing. I will sing of my Redeemer. Number 285, let's stand as we sing.
1: I will sing of my Redeemer and Son of God with him to me. sing or oh, sing of my
0: you can be seated. As you're seated, don't close your book because we're going right on down the page, number 286, There is a Savior. There is a Savior.
1: What joys express
0: Let's do that one one more time.
1: There is a Savior. What joys express?
0: We're going from Thanksgiving to Christmas and Emmanuel almost is one that goes either direction.
1: Amen.
0: Now back on page number 189 189 child in a manger
1: child in the manger
0: stand together now ushers you come as we sing prophets foretold For the offering plates let's sing the first verse of 188. It came upon Father, we're so grateful tonight for the ways that you bless our church and the way that you uh, take care of us as individuals. I pray that you'll be with this type of offering. Also, I pray that you'll be with Brother Todd as he comes to preach to us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe may be seated.
2: Uh, thanks for stepping uh, a little closer, and I'm going to just stay down here, too, to make it a little more intimate for us tonight, and I'll beg your forgiveness ahead of time. I've got a bit of a cold here, so I'm going to do my best here to uh, to hold tight. Um, we are uh, transitioning now uh, from... Uh, uh, thanksgiving into christmas so what i want to do tonight is to kind of step into that season of preparation for this uh this this coming celebration of the coming of christ of manuel we just i think one of the songs we just selected here was emmanuel So uh, I want to begin tonight. My text tonight is Hosea uh, 11.1, and we're going to go there. But I want you to start with me in Matthew 2.15. So if you've got your scripture, go to Matthew 2.15 with me for a minute. So while you're turning there, um, I used to work with a a guy several years ago. You don't know him. I can use his real name. Russ was his name. Uh, Russ was a Canadian. He was uh, working in, in Lexington on a green card. Uh, mid 30s uh, single guy uh, he was uh, trained as a uh, an engineering draftsman, pretty capable guy, pretty smart guy uh, and through my relationship with Russ learned that Russ was, uh, was an atheist or, or so he claimed and, and so uh, in our conversations it would be it would be smattered with with Christian thought looking for that inroad into Russ and Russ would make Take no, uh, uh, take no uh, uh, measure of restraint when it came to making fun of me and my Christian faith. And so, uh, but I, I kept up with Russ on this. And, and uh, so, we got to be Thanksgiving time one year. And so, I'm talking to Russ uh, and uh, uh, Thanksgiving comes up. And uh, it's, even though there is a Thanksgiving in Canada... Uh, it's not the same as the Thanksgiving in America necessarily. And uh, uh, so Russ was all excited about telling me all about Thanksgiving in America. How all these pilgrims, they were city people. And they didn't know how to farm and take care of themselves in the farm. And so uh, it was a good thing that the Indians were there. And so the Indians taught them how to farm and to take care of themselves and plant and grow and harvest. And at the end of a good season, they were going to throw this big meal and thank the Indians. And that's what Thanksgiving all about. I said, Russ, that's... It's not quite right. I said, Russ, what Thanksgiving is about is these weren't just pilgrims. These were Puritans, and they had come here seeking religious freedom and relief from religious persecution. They wanted to worship as they saw fit, and so they came and they settled in this new land, and yes, they did need help, and yes, the Indians did help them, but Thanksgiving is not Thanksgiving to the Indians. It's thanks to God for preserving them, in this new world, and giving them this opportunity to worship as they saw fit, and uh, the irony was just a little too much when this Canadian atheist was telling me how wrong I was about a sacred American <laughs> holiday. Um, but uh, in that in that conversation, uh, I got to hear from a guy who had never heard, never heard of what I shared with him about Thanksgiving. That Thanksgiving was thanks to God. He had always thought that this was all about thanking the Indians, and it, it just, it, 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 it puzzled me that, he, that, that somebody could, could live in America that long. Folks, the overwhelming majority of all of our public school systems taught, teach this past week exactly what Russ shared with me, that it has nothing to do with God, that it's thanking the Indians. and it's that type of secularization of a sacred celebration for us that we face every day and that that was a kind of a wake-up call for me I want to step forward now into uh, Christmas with you because we're stepping now into one of the holidays it's one of the sacred holidays for us one of the sacred celebrations for us that is probably more under attack than any other sacred celebration that we have, and that's Christmas. I want to share with you a, a, a bit about uh, in um, medieval France, there was a, a celebration called Revelion, and Revelion was a, uh, a, a midnight meal that would, each family would gather in their own homes for a midnight meal on Christmas night. And the reason they gathered for this meal is because all year long they were diligent and watchful for the second coming of the Messiah. And when you get to the night that we celebrate the birth of the Messiah, and He has not yet come, then we have this this large meal to celebrate the fact that He came and that He's coming back. And and, and, And in this celebration, not only would there be a meal, but it would be a remembrance that I was created in His likeness and image, but I fell, and He loved me so much that he came for, that he revealed himself to me, but I would not listen. He loved me more that he came for me personally. And now he t- tells me that he's coming back. Yeah. And that's what the uh, Revelion was all about. Revelion translates to awakening or revive. That's what it translates to. So the idea is we have this meal, and we celebrate the fact that Christ came for us. And that if he hasn't come back yet, we, we are anxiously await his return. And at the end of the evening, at midnight, if, if, the, if, the, if the 26th has come, the night we celebrate Jesus' birth, if the 26th comes and, and he is still not shown up, the father will raise his glass, the rest of the family will raise their glass, and they will recite in unison to begin a new watch. And what they mean is that we will begin again another annual watch to be diligently watching for the return of the Messiah. And it was a spiritual event for them that anchors in this, in the, in the, this, this near ancient life of the French to remember what took place and remember the promise and to remember that he's coming back. Revellion is still alive and well in, in, all over France. And if you go to France, especially if you go to the metropolitan areas, massive feast. well in advance. All the finest restaurants are planning their Ravellillon dinners. And they'll be fantastic, multi-course meals. And Ravellion still means revive, but what it means is, today, it's an all-night party. Midnight is only halfway through. Revive means revive us for the rest of the night, and we have a big meal to wake us up and revive us to party for the rest of the night. They've exchanged the sacredness of the, the, the tradition for gluttony. In the same way, our, we, we, uh, as, uh, as Rust and so many people believe what Thanksgiving is, is not true about Thanksgiving, the sacred, humble, noble tradition of being diligently watching for the Messiah has been exchanged for what is essentially sinfulness, gluttony. So I wanna st- I wanna, I w- what I want to do is try to help us focus. We've got a few weeks before Christmas Day and we're going to have a few Sundays that are going to continue to walk us through. Daniel will walk us towards Sunday, but I want to step into this season as a season of preparation with you as I did several years ago. In my home, uh, Sunday night is not a night that I'm out. Uh, uh, for years, uh, my boys have now gone to college and off on their own in their own life. But for years when they were younger, Sunday night was a big meal for us. We called it Sunday Special. And it was uh, a time when we would, I would prepare a, a good meal. It would, we would all gather at the table at the same hour every Sunday night, have our meal, connect as a family. It was a big deal. The four Sundays before Christmas, though, this was also a time of devotions. So at the end of our meal, we would have our Advent devotions. And I would start preparing somewhere in late uh, summer, early fall, uh, four devotions, four Advent devotions for my family. And one year what I decided to do was that I was gonna focus on the pro- all, just the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah. And my goal was not to focus on all of them because I don't know what the count is, but there's a lot of them. Does anybody know how many prophecies there are of the coming of Messiah? there's a busload of them i don't know well over 100 but when the ones that i was most interested in were the ones that the gospel writers specifically cited that's the ones that i wanted to see and you will see it in scripture and so it was fulfilled uh, or as it was written in days of old uh, you'll see that language that's the kind of the preamble language that you'll see when you see uh, the gospel writer cite a prophecy fulfilled in new testament scripture So I set to work and I started cataloging them all. And I cataloged uh, uh, all of them and then went back to the first one and began to study the first one. And that's where I want to start tonight. I want to start tonight in that first one in Matthew chapter 2. And I'm going to back up and put it in context here for us real quick and then we'll read. The context is is that... uh, Herod was familiar with, and this is familiar territory, should be for us, Herod was familiar with this kind of prophecy amongst the Hebrews, and this kind of silly little prophecy that, that there would be this Messiah that would come in and, and, and save these people. Well, he, got, he was a really superstitious guy, and so he had this, this, this fear that, mm, I better play my card square, so I'm going to go ahead and take an opportunity to try to stop this if it's true if it's true if it would if it would really happen so he called in some wise men what we know of as the wise men and he spoke to them about this prophecy oh no no there's a prophecy all right yes and he told them about the prophecy and principally when what the uh when this would happen and so Herod had this this idea in his head that if I just kill all of the children in this window of time that I will, have, I will have succeeded in stopping this Messiah from arriving. So the, the uh, lying to Herod, the uh, wise men said, "We're going to go f- uh, find this Messiah, and we'll let you know where he's at." But they didn't. They went a different path and they went home. But that night, not that night, but shortly thereafter, an angel of the Lord appeared, appeared to Joseph, and he told Joseph, he says, "I want you to get up." You know, now, not when you get, get around to it, but now as you get up and you're going to go to Egypt. And this is where I'm going to pick up and read. When they had gone, this, I'm going to start at, ch- at verse 13. They being uh, the wise men. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell, uh, tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and he took the child and his mother and during the night and he left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. So, If you, if you caught the phrase, and so it was fulfilled as, uh, as it was said through the prophet. So that was, that was the, the target that I was looking for. What are the prophecies specifically identified by the gospel writers? Now for me, I was interested in that because... If the gospel writers identified him, it's highly likely there would be something that I would probably overlook. So I'm trusting that God has specifically preserved a series of prophecies that he does not want me to miss because he included them in the gospel writings. So I took a look at that and I said, yeah, I know, I know that history. Yeah, Jesus was... Uh, usher uh, uh, hurried away uh, into Egypt he stayed in Egypt for a while until uh, Herod's passing the men that no longer wanted to kill him were gone and then he was brought back uh, into Israel uh, so that was no big su- surprise to me but this is the fulfillment of a prophecy and that's where I was focused so that prophecy comes from Hosea the prophet Hosea and so we can now turn there if you will prophet, uh, the prophet Hosea 11.1 1. So I set to reading the prophecy of Hosea. So reading from the prophet of Hosea, it's actually the first verse. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. That's the prophecy. That's it in a box. That's, that's, that's what the gospel writer cited for me. That's what God divinely knew that he would preserve through the, uh, through the gospel writer Matthew for me to read. But I'm reading that, and I'm saying, man, if I was living in that day and I was a studious Jew, I I, I sat beneath a rabbi, I, I made notes every other Sabbath, would I have identified that as a prophecy of the coming Messiah? And I read it again, no. I wouldn't have. I looked at that and I said, there was nothing that stood out to me in that, fra- in that passage that said, ah, it, I, it, this will be worth your price of admission tonight. This is, this is one of my study tools. Then my, uh, I, put, I put on what I call my Joju eyes. Forgive me if that offends you. And my Joju eyes are, I got this little guy named Joseph. He's a common Jew of his day, just like me. I'm a common man of my day. Not particularly educated, not particularly astute, certainly not skilled in all the, the Torahic writings and, and certainly not a rabbi. Um, I'm just a diligent Jewish man trying to make my way in the world, trying to live a life honorable to God. And so I, I put my JoJo eyes on because I want to see, well, what did he hear? What did Joseph, the common Jewish man of the day, hear when he read that? So I tried to wipe out everything that I already know about, oh, yeah, the, the, the history that's the, the, it's been fulfilled, and just try to listen to what he heard and see what he saw. So I put my Joe Jew eyes on, and I went back to this. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt, I called my son. I'm not there yet so I'm gonna go on. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to the balls, they burned incense to uh, to images. It was I who taught Ephraim how to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love, and I lifted the yoke from their neck and they bent down and bent down to feed them I'm still not there. And so I, the, the, the very afternoon that, I'm, that, that I'm, I'm studying this, I just put my scripture down. And I said, God, what am I missing? I don't get it. Why is it that you preserved this piece of, of prophetic scripture for me and told me that it was messianic? And I already even know that it's messianic. And yet, when I read it here as a prophecy, it is not a passage that I would have written down in my Messiah journal. What what am I missing? And with divine clarity, just that afternoon, I heard it. And this is part of what I want to share with you tonight. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. When Israel was a child, I loved him. The hymn is not Israel the him is his son the Messiah Jesus the I, the, the concept here that the the, 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 uh, the, the um, prophet is writing is 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 not necessarily an exact chronology it's a it's a principle chronology from the time Israel was in formation from the time Israel was being created from the time that I created my people from the time they were spiritually young. He establishes that a time before you could understand, I loved my son. And it, it is out of Egypt that I will call him. That Messiah that I will send for you, I'll bring out of Egypt. But this, this, this seed was planted from the time Israel was young. So with my Joe, Joe Jew eyes on again, I'm thinking, oh, I get it now. I see. From before the time that you revealed yourself to us, you had already prepared to redeem us. You loved me so much that before I fell, you paved the way. Before I was lost, you gave me the path. You knew I would fall. You knew I so needed you to come for me. And you did that for me before I ever heard of it. And, I'm, and, I, and, and I hate to be conversational in here, the way I'm conversational with God, but I'm going to do it for a minute. <coughs> Forgive me. So, God, why didn't I get that? Why? Why? Why didn't I understand? Why wasn't that clear to me? Why didn't I get that? Why didn't? And it was again for the second time in that day with with divine clarity. You're not supposed to. See, Todd, you went after this piece of scripture with your own wit and wisdom. You never asked me before. You just assumed. But net today, you ask me. Today you came to me and asked me, what does this mean? And today I answered. Today, that's, it was within the stillness of an afternoon. When I wasn't, when I wasn't reaching for, for, for spiritual acumen, but just asking for understanding, God spoke and clarified. You're never supposed to get it on your own. You, you know the phrase, he who has eyes let him see, he who has ears let him hear. And when you read that in Scripture, I'm going to ask you, stop for just, no matter what you're reading, no matter what you're trying to get through, stop and think for a minute. When Jesus says, he who has eyes let him see, he who has ears let him hear, what he's doing is saying, slow down. Stop. I'm about to open a window into the kingdom of heaven that you will miss if you don't stop and sit with me for a minute. You have eyes to see, but you will not perceive. You have ears to hear, but you will not understand unless you allow me to invest in you. So on that, I don't even remember what day it was. It was some weekday in the morning. On that day, uh, uh, God again made it so clear to me that be patient be still, slow down, allow me to sit with you and lead you. And that was just one of those days where I can't necessarily say I was committed to doing that, I was just committing to study. But he let me know, you're not supposed to get it on your own. The only way Ju got it is the only way you get it. The only way anybody gets it. And that's when you allow the one teacher to teach. The Holy Spirit to speak into your heart to clarify for you. Then you'll understand. He who has eyes, let him see. He who has ears, let him hear. It's a blessing that Jesus gives us. We're in a season we're heading towards Christmas and no matter how pious each of our lives are we will be distracted we will listen to Lord knows what on our radios and if we're not careful we'll not make the distinction between Christmas music and holiday music if we're not careful the, the, the busyness of the season, the parties, the opportunities, the people that we feel that we need to go visit and greet will dominate our lives. Now, I do not want to distance the celebration from Christmas, but I don't wanna sacrifice the sanctity of Christmas for the celebration. Do you follow me on that? There's much to celebrate. But the truth is, there's a reason that we celebrate. And as we prepare to walk towards Christmas Day, towards that culmination, towards that day that the whole world will recognize as the day we celebrate the coming of Christ, it doesn't happen just like that. Prepare your hearts now. If you remember when, before Jesus came, John the Baptist came, and he had one job. Prepare the way. If, you, if you're a fan of Handel's Messiah, I'm a fan of Handel's Messiah. Prepare ye the way for the Lord is one of my favorite passages from, uh, from Handel's Messiah. That, that the season of preparation is equally as important as the celebration of the event itself. I can tell you that not all of France, but a big chunk of France, it's just the party. It's not the awakening, the revival of the heart. It's just a party. And we can secularize, as Russ did, a thanksgiving to Indians as equally as we can remember the thanksgiving to God if we're not careful. This is, we're, we're as, a, as a Christian community, we are truly under an assault at this time of year, and it's an assault of distraction to turn our focus ever so slightly astray ever so slightly away to where we forget why it is that we're here let me give just one little example i, I love this example so i'm 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 going to share it with you um ooh sorry about that um the uh uh this time of year uh we will hear the song sung um the the television program will be aired multiple times Uh, you will hear it recited in one way or another this old story of Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer and we think that's pretty cool no we don't I don't maybe you don't but in the world we think that's pretty cool well let me tell you about the story of Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer what it is 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 this reindeer who's an outcast and he's an outcast because he's different he's got this shiny nose and nobody wants anything to do with him and he's rejected by his own But one day when everybody's in need and all of a sudden we find out that that nose is really good for cutting through fog, well now you're everybody's pal. Now you can benefit the collective. Now you're my best buddy. And what that story teaches is, is that only those who can benefit the collective, only those who can do something for me have value, but if you can't do anything for me, you don't have any value. And what sounds like this noble little story that we tell at Christmas time couldn't be more antithetical to the, the the value that God breathed into each person that He created. To, to, to put it in Paul's terms, uh well, to put it in 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 God's terms as recited through Moses in Genesis, when he created me, he created me in his likeness and image. To go to Paul's terms when he's writing the Galatians, he said, when he came for me, he came in the likeness and image of a human. He created me in his image, he came for me in my image. Why? Because it's his image, it's his value. When he came for me, he's coming for a piece of himself. I have inherent value, inherent worth. And it is because I was created in his likeness and image. And he's calling home a piece of himself when he calls me home. He's calling home a piece of himself when he calls you home. If we look out at the world in this, this cute little story, like the only people who have value are the people who can do something for us, We've missed a big piece, and we tell that story at Christmas time. Do you see how, 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 how slyly the world intercedes into our lives and teaches us something very wrong, something very, very fundamentally sinful at a time that's all packaged up to look like Christmas? And it's not. I want to invite you. I don't even know what time it is. Am I? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I want to invite you uh, And t- to do what many people do. Many Christians do at this time of year. With discernment, slow down. When we sing our songs at Christmas time, pay attention to the lyrics that you're listening to. There's a big difference between I'll be home for Christmas and Emmanuel. There's a big difference between holiday music and Christmas music. Not everything preached beneath the cross is of Christ. Be discerning. He who has eyes, let him see. He who has ears, let him hear. Allow yourself the stillness to focus and hear God's voice in your life at Christmas. And I'm going to suggest to you that the tradition of Advent is a great method to walk your way towards the celebration of the coming of Christ. And the tradition of revelion, the watchful eye to, to perceive, to look upon the horizon and wait diligently for His second coming. And if you'll do that, honestly i'm gonna i'm gonna trust that god will not disappoint you that you will walk into that celebration of christmas where there is no disappointment there is no disquieted hour there is there's 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 no no distraction that could pull you away from the focus on the personage of christmas and that's what my, that's, what, that's, that's my, my request of you tonight is to step towards that day with intention, with discipline, with focus. Again, don't want to rob Christmas of its celebration. I don't want the celebration to rob Christmas of its sanctity. And with that, my voice is about gone. So I'm, I'm going to close here. Uh, since I'm not here on Sunday night, because typically I'm at home with my family, I'm not sure exactly how we close. So, Wendell, Can I ask you to close this in prayer tonight?